0: All right, Let, let's have a word of prayer as we turn to God's word. Father, I thank you for the joy, Lord, that surrounds this time of celebration for us. Joy for us, as we were reminded last week, a humility for you. Uh, but Father, in the midst of it, you have reached down and, and you have touched our lives. You have died for our sins and you have worked in our lives, Father, that we might know you and come to you and humble ourselves before you and confess ourselves a sinner in needs of a savior and i pray lord as we just continue to remember you and and this time of celebration and the reason we celebrate father i pray that you will renew within our hearts that love that commitment that we have for you and even right now father if there are any here today who do not know you as their lord and savior by the end of this service father they will open their heart to you Let me ask you a few questions. What do you think about the law of gravity? Here's another one. How do you feel about the roundness of the Earth? You know, those are silly questions, aren't they? You're saying I don't think about lo- the law of gravity. We just walk around all the time. I don't think it when I get up in bed. You know, I don't test the water to make sure I'm not going to float up. And you know, I know gravity works and I don't even think about you know that you know the the planet is round and some of us are upside down and some are right side up. We it's it's just truth. They exist. They're true, and that's that. We just live with that. But I gotta tell you, that's how I feel. When I hear people question the existence of God, I mean, someone asked that question: Does God exist? And I wanna I wanna say when someone asks that question and maybe keeping with the holiday spirit, I want to say, are you a fruitcake? I mean, do you really ask that question? I mean, that's kind of a loose translation of Psalm 14.1 that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Of course God exists. I mean, the universe abounds with evidence of his presence. You know, I am reminded of that. It's great to be a grandfather. When my grandkids uh, come to my house, if we ever, you know, put something on TV, it's usually wild crats. You know some of you who have kids and it's a fantastic show that that you know teaches about nature and the wonder of nature and not even a christian show but but i mean how can you not see things like this and the wonder of the universe and the expanse of it and know that there's not a god matter of fact it, the evidence for god is so overwhelming that romans chapter 1 verse 20 tells us that the believers or excuse me unbelievers are without excuse there's so much evidence. You know, even someone, you know, it's, it's pure stubbornness. It's, it's defiance of the will for someone not to believe that God exists. So for us, really, the logical question isn't, does God exist? The real question we should be asking is, what is God like? Since God exists, what is God like? Well, the Gospel of John announces Christ coming to earth. And he, he doesn't do it as the other Gospels when we talk about the events that happened and, you know, the shepherds and the angels and the, the, the lowly couple and the, the, the manger. He doesn't talk about those things. But he focus on, focuses on the purpose of Christ's coming. And again, these are familiar verses to us, but I, I just wanna, I want to renew them in your heart this morning. It says in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, John says, In the beginning... Was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. He begins by laying out Christ, the Godness of Christ, the deity of Jesus Christ. And then he comes down to to verse 14. He says, and that word, that word, you know, that was with God, the word that was God, the word that created all things, sustains all things, that word became flesh. And it dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We saw his glory. We beheld his glory, the glory of God. We saw it. Men saw it. In Jesus, I see what God is like. Matter of fact, Christ put it a little bit stronger in John chapter 14, verse 7. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Why? Because you have known me. And you have seen me. You want to know what God is like? Look to Jesus. Look to Christ coming down to this earth. Look into the face of Jesus. See what he does. You know, see what he says. See the humbleness of his birth. How much he gave up, you know, to come down to this earth. Know the depth of his love that God has for you. I mean, see the pain and the anguish the disgust that he has for sinfulness, but his willingness to go to the cross to die so that you and I, we could have our sins all forgiven. You want to know what God is like? Look into the face of Jesus Christ. I mean, watch the angels of heaven bow down to worship him and how demons shudder even at the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, listen to the testimonies that we have in the Gospels of those who had been healed and touched by Jesus I mean, put your fingers in his nail-scarred hands and then you're going to know the length that God goes to reach you. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's that. That's true. It's a fact. And once you settle that question, does God exist, and once we settle the question, what is God like, by looking at Christ as he's revealed through the word to us, then there's one more question that we all need to ask ourselves at this time of year. Um, During John Wesley's search for faith, he was asked by his mentor, Nicholas Zinzendorf, he said, Mr. Wesley, do you believe that Christ died for your sins? Wesley answered, "Yes, I believe that Christ died for the sins of the world." Zinzendorf said, "I did not ask you that. I asked you, did Christ die for your sins? And that is a good question for each of us to answer. Do you believe that two thousand years ago, that God stepped out of heaven and came to earth to die for your sins, to pay your penalty?" To take your punishment upon himself? And that's a question. That is a personal question that we have to ask ourselves. In Matthew 16, verse 13, it says, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? In other words, what's the word out there? You know, what's the theology? That, that's going on or out there. And then he goes down a couple verses later and he changes the question. He says in Matthew 16, verse 15, he says to them, but who do you say that I am? He makes it very, very real for them. He makes it very, very real for us. You see, at Christmas, God doesn't allow us to be a, just general about who he is. He gets very specific about who he is. See, that's really what Christmas is all about. We've added so many other things, but that's what Christmas is all about. God being specific about who he is and what he has done for us. When the God of the universe, the God that no one knew for sure, they knew he was there, but they really didn't know what God was like. Suddenly they saw that he loved and he cared so much for them, so much for you, for me, that he sent his son to die for our sins. The angels would say, do not be afraid, I'm bringing you good news. Great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. You see, when Christ came, he forever eliminated an, an impersonal response that we would have to God. You know, that he, you know, he's kind of out there, I don't really know much about him. You know, I believe that he exists, but no, he made it very real to us. And sometimes it's, it's kind of easy for us to treat Christmas not in a real sense. Again, we, we've heard the story so many times. i got to tell you, sometimes uh, as a pastor, I find myself looking out on the congregation, and I get the feeling sometimes that you guys are looking back at me, and you're, you're kind of staring at me, and someone is ready to stand up and make a motion and say, I move or receive the information and be dismissed. You know? I think one of the dangers of being a Christian for so long is that we simply receive this information and then we be dismissed and we move on. This will be a sign for you. I move we receive this information and and let's be dismissed. The word became flesh. Thank you for that information. Let's be dismissed. A baby in the manger... Born to die on a cross for you, for, for me, for my sins. Thank you. Let's be dismissed. See, God is specific with his people. He's very specific with us, especially at this Christmas time. And that should change our lives. He is very specific about his love for you. He is specific about his promises, the hope that he wants to give you. And he's specific about our response that you and I are supposed to have to, to Jesus Christ. I read a story a, a few years ago by Clovis Chapel. It tells a story about one of the shepherds who was there when the angels, you know, lit the sky up. And the heavenly host proclaimed, glory to God in the highest. And, and he was there and he saw it. And when the angels, are, the angels told all the shepherds to go to, to Bethlehem. You know, and, and find the baby child. And this is this angel, though, he was there. He heard the proclamation, but he didn't go to see for himself what the angel said. Decades later, he says as he held his grandson on his knee, he told the child a stirring story about what it was like when suddenly the whole heavens lit up and what the angel said and what they told him to do. And his grandson looks at him and says, is that all? What did you do when you heard the good news? What did you do when the angels told you what what is happening? Was the Christ child really born for us? The old shepherd replied, well, I, I never knew. Some say it's true. Some say it's only a dream. I didn't take the trouble to go and see. And that's my invitation to us at this time of year. To make sure that we give ourselves time to go and see. quietness, whether it's going to be here in our time of worship, whether it's going to be in your devotions. You know, sometime you need to get away. Make make time to get away and read the birth of Christ. Read, Read the gospel story. We need to personalize this, what Jesus Christ did for you, not just for the whole world but what Jesus Christ did for you. And that's my invitation to have us ask, you know, any of us who have asked, not asked Christ into our heart. You know, whether you're here today, whether you're listening online, my invitation to you is just to come and see. I don't need to talk you into it. I don't need to prove anything to you about it. You just need to come and see. See for yourself. And then make your decision. Make a decision. Because one life, one life, that is all that we have been given. We have one chance on this side of eternity to get it right. And Jesus Christ, he got it right. He came for heaven, from heaven. He came for a purpose. He came to earth for me. He came for you. What is the most important about Christ's mission is that it directly affects us here and it affects us forever. Jesus came to restore your relationship with God, a relationship that has been broken because of our sin. And everything about Christ's mission is about saving you. It's about saving me, saving us from our sin. That's what the word, the name Jesus means. It means Jehovah saves. He would say in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 through 23, says she shall bear a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he will what? He will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? It means God with us. Come and see. Come and see what Christ says about himself. In Matthew 9, 12, it says, but when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means, that I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. In Matthew 18, 11, the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is what Christ has done for you. You need to come and see. You need to open your heart to, to just understand it. and then make your decision. But we all need to come and see. Saved, unsaved alike. Saved, we need to be renewed in our spirit, in our hearts, of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So, the question I want you to consider is what have you done in response to Christ's life that he has given for you? What have you done? Paul would say in 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, It is a trustworthy statement desiring full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Paul got it. Paul came and saw and his response to it was that I am the chiefest of sinners. I am undeserving. There was a humbleness about him and a pouring out of himself to God. And that's the heart that each of us should have. We need Jesus Christ. That's why he came, to let us know that he is the answer. And we have been given one life here, one life. And what I do or don't do with Jesus Christ will direct this whole life and will permanently determine where I spend my life after I die. Jesus says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now what does it mean, repentance? We don't, we don't use that word much today. Basically, to repent is to re- agree with God concerning my sin. I agree with God, I repent, and I'm going to change direction. Once I was walking away from God, a repentance of my sin is a turning, and God, I want you, I want your son, Jesus Christ one life we have one chance to get this right And if you go out from here today whether it's a day week a month years and years and years before you meet your maker what you do in this life is going to make all the difference for where you spend your eternity so what have you done that is our question today what have you done with God's offer of his son to save your soul what have you done there's some beautiful verses in Romans, and I just want to share them with you. Any here who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. This kind of, you know, follows a path, a road, we call it, the Romans road. Let me just share it with you. And maybe you've heard these verses before, but, but hear them. Not, not just, okay, I make a motion, we dismiss. Thank you for that information. I want you to hear these words today. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you are in a Christian family. I don't care if you are in a Christian church. Every single one of us has fallen short of God. Romans 6.23 goes on. says, for the wages of my sin is death. The price of my sin is death. Physical, spiritual death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, that Jesus Christ died for us, died for me. He died for you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. In other words, it's not a head decision. It's a heart decision. You know, it's a a, a life decision that we make. And the great news is no matter what you have done, no matter who you are, no matter how far you feel you've been away from God, Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. No exception. I am included. You are included in that whosoever. That is the gift at this Christmas time that God gave you. The gift isn't in the stable. The gift is on the cross. It's your Savior offering his shed blood to pay for your sins. But like any gift, it only becomes yours. If you receive it, and you take it to yourself. I'm going to pray for us in a moment here. And if there's anyone here, online, here in the sanctuary, if there's any who's not sure, you can pray this prayer in your heart. I would encourage you afterwards, you know, to let somebody know that you've made that decision. You know, online, reveal that. You know, Satan's going to try to oppose it. You know, let people know, we want to help you there in that journey with Christ. So we're going to pray. Our worship team is going to come up while I'm praying. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray for those here, those listening, Father, that may not know you as their Lord and Savior. But I remember what it was like to be outside of you. I remember, Father, all the things that I filled my life with trying to fill a void that only you can fill. And I remember that moment, Father, when I gave my heart to you. Lord, just the unbelievable washing that I felt. And God, any here, right now, Lord, who who reach out to you and confess themselves sinners, Lord, we need you. We need your shed blood to forgive my sins. I I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. Any who pray that, Father, thank you. Thank you for forgive, uh, forgiving them of their sins. What a Christmas, what a what a gift it will be to give their lives to you today. I thank you, Father, as a child of yours as well, that this story never grows old, this truth never grows old. You've reminded us through song, through the truth of your word, that, Father, you would rather come to die than to live without us. I do not accept that. I confesses Paul that I am the chief of sinners. I do not deserve this, Lord, but a lot of gifts I get that I don't deserve and I thank you for this one. We love you, Lord. We just give you this. This next week, Lord, we have so many reminders of you around us. Help us not just to receive the information and then move on. Help us to pause at the cradle and at the cross.